All around the world, people are floundering. There's something missing, something more that they just can't grasp. Do you feel it too? Welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast. Every week, host Kevin Monroe will help you navigate to your true north and flourish in faith, business, and life. You found us for a reason. Stay tuned to find out why. You're listening to the Higher Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Monroe. Thanks for listening and being part of this amazing journey and allowing me to be a small part of your amazing journey. Yeah, that's right. While our journeys are very different, they're both amazing in their own unique way. I hope you can appreciate that your journey is amazing. More on that in just a moment. Hey, hosting this podcast is both a joy and a privilege for me. I consider it an honor that you allow me into your life and a greater honor that you allow me or invite me in to speak into your life through this podcast. So thank you. Recently, I've been hearing from several of you. You have no idea how much that excites me. You see, I'm a relational guy. I believe that relationships are primary and everything else in life and business grows out of our relationships. So I want to say thanks to John, Jennifer, Brad, Kathleen, Nathan, Terry, and the other Brad. I've so enjoyed our conversations. Jennifer actually mentioned that I've been on a run of interviews lately and have not done any solo episodes. You know what? She's right. And I'm sure Jennifer loves hearing those words. You're right. So let's remedy that today and next week as well. You know, there's something fascinating about podcasts. They have a very long shelf life. I know when we record and release episodes, but that may not have any correlation to when you're actually listening to this episode. Just so you know, I'm recording this episode 10 days before Christmas 2017, and it will post the day after Christmas which is Boxing Day for our friends in Canada, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, Scotland, and anywhere else that observes Boxing Day. Happy Boxing Day. What a great tradition. Now, if you're like me and you're in the United States, we seem to know nothing about Boxing Day. And for many, the day after Christmas is just another day of materialistic mayhem and commercialized chaos and craziness. Stay out of the malls. Originally, I was I planned a different direction for this episode. However, as I was preparing, I typed something into the notes, and suddenly everything changed. Here's what I typed as part of the podcast intro. I love Christmas, always have. I love Christmas songs, Christmas movies. My favorite classic is It's a Wonderful Life. You know, I love that movie so much that I have the book containing the story the movie's based on. I've read the script, wrote a paper on the movie in grad school about the main character of the movie, George Bailey, being a servant leader. And and that's why I had the script to the movie, was to make the paper writing easier. So as I typed those words, I realized I'd bought the book. The, the book that the movie's based on. Actually, it's the book of the story the movie's based on. And I had saved it to read at Christmas, but I had not yet read it. Well, at that moment, it hit me. I want to share life lessons on living a life of purpose from my favorite movie. 
It's not just my favorite Christmas movie. It's my favorite all-time movie. It's A Wonderful Life. So I stopped what I was doing, read the book. Now, it's no Moby Dick. I mean, it, it didn't take that long, and I'm glad I did. And a little later in the podcast, you'll hear why I'm so glad I read the book. So I hope you enjoy what follows. Life Lessons about living a life of purpose from It's a Wonderful Life. In case you're not familiar with the movie, let me provide a synopsis so you're not just left standing out in the cold. Actually, let me read how Frank Capra, the director of the movie, summarized the movie. Here's what Capra wrote in his autobiography. It was the story I had been looking for all my life. Small town, a man, a good man, ambitious, but so busy helping others, life seems to pass him by. Despondent. He wished he had never been born. He gets his wish. Through the eyes of a guardian angel, he sees the world as it would have been had he never been born. Wow, what an idea. The kind of idea that when I get old and sick and scared and ready to die, they'll still say he made the greatest gift. Isn't that an amazing perspective? Actually, Frank Capra said it was the best movie he ever made. He actually believed it was the best movie of all time, not because he made it, but because of the power of the story and the drama. I just love that. Um, you know, life, he, he was so busy helping others, life seemed to pass him by. So if you've seen the movie, perhaps you remember the opening scene. You got to remember, the movie was made in 1946. I can only imagine how drastically different the opening scene would be if Steven Spielberg were to remake the film with today's technology. Now, I'm not suggesting anyone do that because I love the classic version of the film. But when you cue the opening, the stars are twinkling. You hear faint voices, and suddenly you realize those are prayers being offered up for one George Bailey whom we soon discover is the central character of the movie and was played by the great Jimmy Stewart. As the prayers are being lifted up for George, we listen in on a conversation, presumably between God and some bumbling angel named Clarence. The dialogue is classic. I mean, it is incredibly sightful. Here it is right from the script. A man down on earth needs our help. Splendid. Is he sick? No, worse. He's discouraged. At exactly 10.45 p.m. Earth time, that man will be thinking seriously of throwing away God's greatest gift. Friends, from that moment on, I am hooked. I'm just pulled into the story. A man on earth needs our help. Clarence the bumbling angel, what's wrong? Is he sick? No worse. He's discouraged. If you've ever been discouraged, and who of us hasn't been, you know discouragement can certainly be more serious than any sickness. Discouragement is often rooted in some kind of disappointment. Something did not turn out as we had hoped or planned. Remember, it was the, it was the great Shakespeare who said, 
expectation is the root of all disappointment. So there was something we had an expectation about. It didn't happen the way we wanted. We're disappointed. Hey, it's okay to experience disappointment. But once it progresses to discouragement, it's like heart disease. It can kill you. Actually, discouragement is a form of heart disease, but I'll save that for a future episode. So know this, if as you're listening to this podcast and realize that you, like George Bailey, are discouraged, you need to take action. Talk to someone. Get help. Don't let your discouragement fester into depression and find yourself imagining that the world would be better off without you. It wouldn't. I promise you, it wouldn't. Those thoughts are, are, are vain imaginations. You don't need to give them room. And trust me, folks, I've entertained those thoughts before, so I know what it's like. Let's look at the lessons of living a life on purpose from It's a Wonderful Life. The first one, and I'm sure I'm going to throw some of you a curveball right here. Don't let dreams get in the way of your destiny. You're saying, what, Kevin? I thought dreams were the key to finding my destiny. Yes, they can be. But sometimes we, we have dreams that aren't so necessarily rooted in reality, and sometimes other people are forcing their dreams on us. So stay with me. For years, George Bailey dreamed of escaping the confining life of small-town Bedford Falls. He dreamed of becoming a world explorer. After all, he had been nominated for membership in the National Geographic Society, and only explorers qualified for that elite membership. So after school, George had decided to travel and see the world. But suddenly, a health crisis in his family intervened, and duty called. George gave up his dream of seeing the world to take over the family business for what he thought was a season. The only thing is that season kept getting extended and George started adjusting to life in small town. A few years later, George and his new wife, Mary, they are about to escape Bedford Falls for an exotic honeymoon. And just as they were attempting to leave town, they notice a commotion. There was a run on the bank, and once again, to avoid the forced closure of the bank, George ended up using the money he had saved for his honeymoon to keep the bank open and out of the hands of old man Potter. So once again, his dreams of leaving small town Bedford Falls were interrupted, but they led to his destiny. So George was stuck in the quaint, ordinary town, in the lowly existence of running the bank, at least what he perceived to be a lowly existence. So it's only when George got his wish granted from Clarence, the wish that he had never lived and was provided a tour of what would have been had he not lived, he saw how the town he knew as Bedford Falls had become the slum city of Pottersville. It was then that he began to grasp the impact of his life. And that opened my eyes to the second life lesson on purpose. Ready? 
The ordinary you seek to escape is actually your pathway to purpose if you will embrace it and transform it. You see, George Bailey lived an ordinary life, but he did it in an extraordinary way. Doing ordinary daily tasks in extraordinary ways leads to monumental impact. But George was blind to it all. He saw himself as a failure when, in fact, rather than being a failure and rather than having the ticket to nowhere that he thought it was, he was on the fast track to purpose and impact. The third lesson. A life of significance is a life of service. We live in a success-saturated and obsessed world. Success can be the loneliest and most selfish quest. You see, success can be all about you. By contrast, significance always, and I mean always, involves others. A life of service is a life of significance, catch this now, even if it is lived in total obscurity. If a life is lived in the shadows rather than the spotlight and nobody you think knows, it will still be a life of significance when it is a life of service. Earlier this week, I made a new friend whose grandmother invested 70 years 70 years of her life taking care of lepers near her community in India. Folks, I've got to tell you, that's a legacy of service and significance that ripples until this day and will continue to ripple for years into the future. Lesson number four, none of us is immune to discouragement. Sooner or later in life, something happens or something will happen that will take the wind out of your sails and leave you spiraling. When that moment comes, you need someone or some group of someones who can sit with you or walk with you. They may not need to talk with you at all. Maybe there is a time that they need to talk to you. But they need to be present and they need to help you remember that all lives matter. Your life matters. My life matters. You see, left unguarded, discouragement will rob you of hope and tell you there is nothing left to live for. Nothing, nothing, nothing could be farther from the truth. You have already received the greatest gift, the gift of life, the gift of today, the gift of now. Don't lose it. Don't squander it. And don't ever buy the lie that the world is better off without you. As long as you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And that leads us to lesson number five. A life of purpose is a relationally rich life. If you're familiar with the closing scene of the movie, you know that George is surrounded by the people who had been impacted by his life of purpose. He finds a note left him from his angelic benefactor, Clarence. Here's how it read. Remember, no man is a failure who has friends. Invest in relationships and you will be rich in ways that money cannot buy. Now, a couple of the greatest lessons on purpose from this movie are not from anything in the movie, but it's the story behind how the movie came to be. 
you might not know that the movie almost never happened because the story that inspired the script was almost never published. The author, one Philip Van Dorenstern, he had the idea one morning in February of 1938 while shaving. Now, I love that because sometimes in the shower or when you're shaving or when you're on a walk, some of the most beautiful ideas just drop. In a moment, the whole idea of the story was downloaded intact. However, Philip had to learn how to write it because he was new to writing fiction. His first attempt was a dismal failure. Get this, folks. Five years later, five years later, he finally rewrote it and was pleased with the draft. His literary agent liked it, but said it was going to be a it was going to be tough to sell fantasy to the magazines. So his agent shopped it far and wide to every magazine she could find, and no one would touch it. No one. Not ready to give up, the author revised the script again, printed 200 copies of the 24-page pamphlet at his own expense, and sent them out as Christmas cards. A few months later, he received a telegram from his agent saying that they had sold the movie rights to the story. Get this, the story was never published except those 200 copies. So even then, it almost didn't happen. Three different script writers took turns at converting the story into a script. Charles Corner finally assigned the project to one Frank Capra, who had just returned from spending five years out of the studio fighting the Great War. Corner said to Capra, and I quote, I've got just the story for you. We've got three scripts on it. Capra said, well, what about the scripts? Corner said, oh, they missed the idea. What idea? The idea I paid for when I bought this Christmas card. I paid $50,000 for it. Capra says, you paid $50,000 for a Christmas card? Boy, I've got to see that Christmas card. And there it was, a Christmas story about a man who thought he was a failure and who was given the opportunity to come back and see the world as it would have been had he not been born. Well, my goodness, this thing hit me like a ton of bricks, is what Capra wrote in his autobiography. So here are two more lessons on living a life of purpose, on purpose. It's the power of perseverance. So maybe you've received a great idea. You you may have received it as a direct download like Philip did. That doesn't mean the journey's going to be easy. It took five years to actually transform the idea for the story into the actual story. Question for you. Are you willing to do the hard work it takes to see your dream or vision become reality? A life of purpose is a life of persistence and perseverance. Don't give up. The final lesson I want to share is closely related A life of purpose doesn't take rejection personally. Listen here. Lean in. What no have you heard that you've allowed to shut you down on your quest? And why are you taking no as the final answer? Realize, if Philip, the author of this story, The Greatest Gift, had stopped at his initial rejections, one of the greatest movies of all time would have never been made. How about you? 
So there you have it. Seven lessons about living a life on purpose from the movie It's a Wonderful Life. Let me recap those for you before we close. Number one, don't let dreams get in the way of your destiny. It's great to have dreams, but don't let them interrupt your destiny. Number two, the ordinary you seek to escape is actually your pathway to purpose if you will embrace it and transform it. As my friend Rick Rigsby told me in an interview a few weeks ago, don't seek to minimize the ordinary. Instead, seek to master it. Number three, a life of significance is a life of service. Number four, none of us is immune to discouragement. And remember, as long as you have a pulse, you have a purpose. Number five, a life of purpose is a relationally rich life. As it says in the movie, remember, no man or woman is a failure who has friends. Number six, a life of purpose is a life of perseverance and persistence. And number seven, a life of purpose doesn't take rejection personally. I hope you enjoyed my reflections on It's a Wonderful Life. If you're a fan of the movie and see something in it related to the life of purpose that I've not yet called out, share it with me. I'd love to hear it. At the beginning of the episode, I talked about the primacy of relationships. Our most meaningful relationships include elements of reciprocity. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd like to ask for your help. One of the best things you can do is to share your love of the podcast with others. Write a review if you haven't already done so. That helps others on the journey to purpose discover this podcast. Two more things. If you know someone who is pursuing purpose in work, life, or service, and you think they'd be a great guest for the podcast, send me their name and contact info at kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com. Likewise, if you know someone who hosts a podcast or you host a podcast and you'd like to hear me on that show, let me know that as well. I love talking purpose with any audience that's interested. Hey, in next week's episode, we're going to be talking about ways to live, work, and serve on purpose in the year ahead. Until next time, remember, you are meant for more. Don't settle for less. If you would like to hear in-depth conversations about purpose, you can go to NavigatingNorthSummit.com to hear a new featured conversation each month with experts like Dr. Rick Rigsby, Mark Tim, Zach Mercurio, and Tom Winninger. That's NavigatingNorthSummit.com.